You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Good to see you again. It's good to be with you. I always enjoy my time here, and uh, I'm excited to share this with you this morning. We had a great time in the first service. I, I told them I'm the full-figured brother. And uh, I don't sit down. I got a Fitbit, you know. You never see thin people wearing Fitbits, but I got a Fitbit, and uh, this is helping me get my steps in today. So I'm knocking out two birds with one stone, so I'm kind of exercising while I'm speaking. So uh, it works out really well. Uh, I'm so excited to see what God is doing here and uh, just the numbers of people God is drawing. Uh, What a blessing. What a blessing to see what God is doing in the community of Maryville and around the world through you guys, and we're excited, and we, we always hear and pray and uh, are encouraged by what you're doing, so uh, thank you for that. We're going to talk a little bit today about going all in, all right, going all in. I dare you to go all in. How many of you really love reading scriptures where Jesus is talking? You know the red letter stuff. We got anybody really, you like? Okay, some of you, that's great, right. It'd be really good if all of you would really like the verses that Jesus said. But, you know, we really love the verses uh, that are just so nice. You know, the kind of verses that are on plaques and on cards that we give each other. And uh, we we just find them on magnets and all the places where we just love those warm things. And they always make it on the paperweights and the billboards. And, you know, love others and I'll always be with you. My grace is sufficient for you. And when you're weak, I am strong. God is for us. Do unto others. We love all those verses, right? Amen. Hey, let's just try it right now. Let's just see what would happen if all of us said amen, even if you don't agree with it. Let's just say it. I'll just say it. Hey, we love those verses, right? Amen. Man, doesn't that sound better? That's awesome. That encourages me. There's this woman in the first service. She sat right there. She laughed at everything I said. I mean, like she just laughed the whole time. So I don't know her to be grateful that she was listening or to be hurt. I mean, everything I say in a minute is not funny. I mean, I think it's, I don't think it is, but, but uh, it was great that she was engaged. I, I, I like that. But do unto others. Don't worry about tomorrow. Cleanliness is next to godliness. You know, all those verses. I mean, that's not in there. But all those verses that we love. We love the warm, fuzzy verses in the red letters of our Bibles that Jesus said. And we're all for it. Amen. But there are these other sayings of Jesus that we just don't like to talk about too much. We don't like to have them preached to us. We don't like to read about them. I mean, they're just downright shocking. And when we hear them, we go, what? Did he really say that? What does he mean by that? Some people heard things Jesus said and was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's crazy. What, what, what do you mean, eat your flesh and drink your blood? I'm not a vampire. I'm out of here. And they left. I mean, he just said some things that were off the charts. They, they didn't make sense. And he, and, he, and he always seemed to have this annoying habit of saying, go sell everything. And people were like, I don't like that, sir. I don't like that verse. People scratch it out of their Bibles. Jesus loves me, right? Amen, amen. Sell everything. No, no, no. I don't like that verse. Matter of fact, in, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus is, 
is teaching how much he loves elderly ladies. And we're like, yay, elderly ladies. Of course, Jesus loves elderly ladies. And then he moves from there and he talks about tax collectors and sinners. And he said, they're all invited in. Oh, yeah, Jesus takes all of us sinners. That's awesome. And then the next little section in Luke 18 is about the children coming to Jesus. He says, let them come to me, getting on his lap, and they're crawling all over him. Like, yeah, Jesus and children, we love that. That's awesome. They're crawling all over him. They're so cute. Jesus is awesome with children. And then all of a sudden, right in that, this rich young ruler comes and says, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And we're like, what happened to playing with the kids? What about the old lady? Let's go back to her. I don't, I don't want to talk. Go sell everything. And we just get bamboozled by this these statements that he makes like just out of the blue when everybody's having fun, everybody's happy, and he just drops these bombs in Luke 14. Jesus is at a party, and everybody's happy, and everybody's talking, and he's an invited guest, and they're all, they're all drinking wine, and they're just having fun. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, hey, if you're going to build a tower, you got to count the cost. If you're going to go to war, you got to count the cost. And everybody's like, that's not party conversation. What are you talking about? And then all of a sudden, in the midst of that, he just yells out, if anyone does not give everything he has, you cannot be my disciple. And they're like, there he goes again. We were doing so well. People were happy to see us. And then he goes, kaboom. And we read through the Gospels, and we discover that Jesus very often uses that language about all in. I mean, multiple times he uses all in language. Put all your eggs in one basket. Take all your poker chips and go all in. Sorry for that reference. Uh, but I think it illustrates something. And, and, and it was just shocking. And the truth is, it's no less shocking today. I want a Jesus to place with the kids. And I want Jesus who's for me. And I want a Jesus who, who, who loves me. And he's, he's my strength in times of weakness and my rock in times of trouble. And then I hear that voice in my head that says, yeah, great, go sell everything and go all in. And I'm like, what happened to that you're for me thing? And where, where did we go wrong? What, what's happening? And, and it's just shocking. And, and the truth is it's shocking for all of us. Just, disciples are like, Jesus, could you just lighten up on the sell everything message? It's not drawing crowds very well. I mean, as soon as we get some people to follow us and it looks like things are going our way as a team here, you drop some deny yourself, take up your cross thing and everybody leaves. Eat your flesh and drink it. What? You're really hurting the cause, Jesus. We're trying to reach people and you keep kabamming them and they leave. I mean, Jesus starts to visit people's houses and they're starting to hide things, hide the china, hide the car, hide, hide the kids. We think Jesus is coming for it all. But Jesus always seems to be talking about going all in. And that is really hard for us to hear, especially in a culture when we have a lot. And that is really hard for us to hear because we, we live in an age where we don't believe that's the right thing to do. We don't believe in the phrase, put all your eggs in one basket. Matter of fact, we say things like, don't put all your eggs in one basket. 
And if you're, if you're in the investment world at all and you have any investments, you never go all in. You need to what? Diversify. Stocks, bonds, international, national, mutual funds, short-term, long-term. Just in case one goes bad, we got something in the hopper here to, to, to have a little stability. In relationships, when you're dating or when you're married or when you have relationships with people or a church, you don't want to go all in. You might get hurt. So give what you need to give to keep the relationship alive, but I'm not going to go all in. With our kids, you want to go all into something when they're little. Oh, we don't go all in. Try everything. Do everything. Just do a little bit till you know what. Never go all in. And we read these statements and we seem to do one of two things. We seem to rewrite them. Well, I mean, Jesus didn't really mean that. I mean, he said go sell everything to that guy. But he didn't know that guy. I mean, he didn't mean that. That's like a figurative thing. It's like a metaphor. It's like an illustration. Go sell everything. Kind of like just this, you know, be really committed. And in the Greek, it means kabbalabudaboo. And that means, you know, you just kind of get committed a little bit. It doesn't mean like go sell everything. That's just, it's a Greek word. It's a Greek phrase. Then, so we either rewrite it or we just dismiss it. I don't even know what that means, go sell everything. I mean, how do you sell everything? I sell my couch, I sell my table, I sell my car, I sell my house. Where would I live? I got bills to pay. What do I do? Buy a pop-up camper? I mean, what do you mean sell everything? I don't understand this whole sell everything. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So we either seem to rewrite these statements, these hard sayings, these tough sayings, but they happen too often or we try to dismiss them because they make no sense, so we just ignore them and forget them and go back to, ah, Jesus loves kids and me, and he's for me, and he's all in with us. Thank God he's all in. But there's more going on here and more he's trying to say. And I hope today as we look at this passage that, I, I, that we leave today with a real clear understanding of what this means, this go sell everything kind of understanding, this, this passage that Jesus said. We're, we're, we're going to take it literally, and I, and I hope by the end it makes sense to you and you see it just the way it is. Because if we understand these radical investments that he wants us to make, and, and if we, we rewrite them and we try to dismiss them, we make a big mistake and we miss something extremely profound. So I want to clearly, I hope, clearly explain. But these radical statements are more literal than we like them to be. But it's also way better than we thought they could be. It, we, we, when we hear Jesus say sell everything, or we hear this idea of deny yourself, take up your cross, we always see it as, gee whiz, it's going down, it's a negative, it's sell everything, it's be poor, it's be miserable. But that's not the point of this. It's not about losing something, it's about gaining everything. And if you stay focused, if you hear those words from Jesus, sell everything, give all, go in, put all your eggs in one basket. If you hear that as a negative and your perspective goes, whoo, wow, no. And you miss the idea, it's not about losing, it's about gaining. It's about letting go of one thing so I can take hold of something else. But I don't get the something else at half in. I only get it at all in. 
And we, and we think it's about losing something, but it's not. It's about gaining everything. And maybe the reason he is asking us to make such a radical investment is because we are on the front end of a radical opportunity. So I want to read Matthew chapter 13. If you'll turn there, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Now throughout Matthew and Luke, and, and especially during these these chapters in front and behind Matthew 13, 14, 12, all those, you're going to see about 40 times where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like something. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like. And so in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus says, red letters, right? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy... In his joy, when he gave up everything, was he sad about it? Man, it stinks being poor. No. In his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for the pearls. When he found one of, his, one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. So here we have language again about selling everything. Giving up everything, getting rid of everything for the kingdom. So Jesus tells a story. There was this man. He's kind of a poor man. He was walking out in the field, and maybe he's kicking rocks. Maybe he's got a walking stick, and he's kind of pounding as he goes. And all of a sudden, he hits a spot in the field, and he hears this boom, boom, boom. And he starts digging around, and he finds this pottery box full of rubies. Pearls, sapphires, gold, silver. I mean, he has hit the jackpot. It's kind of like back in that day, there weren't any banks, and people just stored things and hid things wherever they could. Kind of like in our day, people putting things in mason jars. You ever heard of that? Matter of fact, does anybody do that? We'd like to know just so we know where the money is. Does anybody hide their money in mason jars? Okay, anyway. So he finds it, and he goes, he looks at it, sees this amazing treasure, digs a deeper hole, puts it back down, covers it up, and he skips home joyfully, ready to sell everything he has. So he goes to Jerusalem Craigslist, and he's got couch, and he's got car, and he's got donkeys, and he's got camels, and he's got sheep, and he's got goats. He's debating over his kids. I mean, he's just, he's just trying, he's got to do everything he can to buy this field joyfully selling everything he can. Radical investment, not because he wants to be poor and live in a van down by the river. He's selling everything because he knows there's a greater opportunity than what he has currently. And it looks like it's going well. I mean, it's really going well. He sold furniture, donkey, sheep, goat, tools, pottery, clothes, everything. And then his wife comes down the long dirt driveway. She's tired. She's been at the well all day. The well's running a little dry. She's carrying the five-gallon, you know, pottery bucket on her head. And she says the, the, the line was long, and it just took so long because the water was coming up slow. All I want to do is go home and lay on the couch. And he says, well, that could be a problem. She says, why, why is that a problem? I sold the couch. 
You sold the cow. Why did you sell the cow? You can't sell the cows. Oh, I just want to go eat. I'm so hungry. I, I sold the table. You sold the table. You make me so mad. And now she, I just want to go home. Get away from me. I, I got a problem with that too. I sold the house. We don't have anything to eat because they sold all the cows and the sheep and the donkeys and the camels. We don't even have anything except that water jug on your head. And as women would do, she flips out. What do you mean? What did you do? Are you crazy? What, what did you do with all that money? I, I just want you to know, honey, I bought a field. You, you, you bought a field. We already have a field and a house on it. This field has no house on it. No, it has no house on it. Just trust me, honey. Just trust me. If you trust me, this is going to be a good deal for our family. And she says, like all women do, okay, honey, doesn't make sense to me, but I trust you. You're the wise one, and we'll just do what you think is right. <laughs> That's not how women do? I don't know. I, uh, I don't, so he <laughs> If you just hang on with me, honey, I promise. It seems like a crazy, radical, all-in, eggs-in-one-basket kind of thing. But I promise you, I promise you, it's really going to pay off. Then a merchant. He was part of the rich folks crowd. So Jesus flips the illustration here. He finds a pearl. He's got a job. He's got a business. Pearls were valuable in the ancient world. And he found this greatest pearl ever discovered. And he goes home and he sells his business. He sells his home. He sells his ship. He, le he leverages everything he has to buy this pearl. Two men gave up everything because they found something more amazing. They weren't giving up stuff to be destitute and poor and lonely and homeless. They were giving up everything because they found something greater. You with me? They found something greater. If you've ever known anybody to adopt, we have a lot of people who adopt children in our, in our church. And every time we go through that, we, we hear things like, I, and people will ask them, why did you drop twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000? The frustration of the government, two years of wondering, hoping, knowing at any time it could be cut off because that country that you're adopting from could just go nuts and shut it down. Why would you do, why would you invest so much emotions and energy and money? Because we found something greater. We're willing to make this radical investment on the front end for a greater opportunity of loving a child on the back end. All in. Going all in. Making the most radical investment for the most radical opportunity. Selling everything really means selling everything. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's so awesome. It's so great. It's like a pearl. It's like treasure in a field. It's like this. It's like that. That if you come upon it, it's worth giving up and sacrificing and selling everything for it. Many of us have spent most of our lives and missed the treasure that is right in front of us. And we're looking at the greatest treasure of all time right here. The most expensive pearl. And we have gone half in. 
We live in a pretty much a Bible Belt culture where we've learned what Christianity is and you can stick your toe in the water, you stick your foot in the water, but I do not want to go all in. I'm just testing to see if the water's okay, if it's warm, if it serves me, but I'm not going all in. And we would never say that and we would never admit that or confess that, but we really know deep down in our hearts, I'm not all in. I'll do some church things, I, I, I like church, it's good, and I hang out, and I like Christianity, and there serves to be somewhere in there, but, 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 I, but I'm not ready to go all in, because the reality of the kingdom of heaven is bigger than going to church. It's bigger than singing some songs, and it's bigger than showing up, and it's bigger than placing 4%, 2%, 7%, 10% in the offering. It's bigger than that. As a matter of fact, the kingdom of God and the church are not the same things. The kingdom of God was, create, was in the Garden of Eden, and it will be fully uh, reach its fulfillment in, in Revelation 22 when God brings his kingdom down. Jesus is the king and rules and reigns in a new heaven and a new earth. And we look for that day. And everything in between those is brokenness and a curse. And, and, and all of the things of this world are broken and they're cursed and, 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 and we, we are supposed to bring the kingdom of God to it. So he tells us that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is life as God is making it. Literally, life as it was meant to be. So think about the Garden of Eden. There was no pain. There was no suffering. There was no crying. There was no dying. There was no cancer. There was no Alzheimer's. There was no disease. There was no sex abuse. There was no physical abuse. There were no divorces. There were no, all of these things are gone. But they all exist right here in Middle Earth. And the kingdom is about bringing life as it was meant to be in the two bookend kingdoms, life as it was meant to be. So we were not saved for God to take us to heaven. We were saved to bring heaven to earth. Now I'm going to say it again. Thank you for that amen. Because that's a good place to amen. We'll let everybody join, him or her. We were not saved to bring for God to take us to heaven, we were saved to bring heaven to earth. Amen? Jesus even prayed in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. On earth. He wants us to be kingdom agents. He started Israel with Abraham and, and changed um, Jacob's name to Israel and so that they could facilitate the kingdom and they could be agents of the kingdom, bringing about God's kingdom. And then they change and he brings Jesus and then he start, Jesus starts the church and the church is an agent to the kingdom. And, 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 but we're not the kingdom. The kingdom, how, how long does the kingdom last? It lasts where? Forever and ever. The church does not. The kingdom reigns forever and ever and ever. The church is important as an agent 
of the kingdom. So every time we are working in the kingdom, every time we're undoing the curse, when Jesus, when they asked Jesus, are you the Messiah, are you the one? He said, the lame walk, the blind see, the poor are fed. Isaiah 61, which he says again in Luke 4, preach good news to the poor, bind up the broken heart, set the captives free, release the Every time we engage darkness and we undo the curse, we are being about the kingdom. So when homeless people find a home, when sick people are prayed over and healed or cared for or ministered to in their sickness, when the disenfranchised and marginalized people of our society are cared, when orphans, you have kids hope mentors or safe families or foster care or adopt, any time we are reversing the curse, things that don't happen in the kingdom, we're bringing the kingdom to earth. And he says, it's worth giving everything for going after life as it was meant to be. The kingdom of earth, on the other hand, is life as we know it. Broken, cursed, pain, fear, disease, broken relationships, broken families, crazy, emotional things going on in our society. Did you notice that everything in the kingdom of earth has an expiration date? Food, expiration date. Cars, that car that was so awesome. 1986, I graduated from college, got my first car, a Cavalier Z24. Chevrolet Cavalier Z24. Man, that thing was cool. Now, scrunched. Everything. I mean, I love the 80s. I'm an 80s guy. And I still like some of the things I wear from the 80s. And my kids always tell me, Dad, it's got an expiration date. It's not cool anymore. So everything in life has an expiration date. People have an, marriage has an expiration date when one spouse passes away. People as a whole, jobs, animals, everything has an expiration date. Even on our best day, the best we humans can put together, it is obvious that the kingdom of earth is broken. So, kingdom of heaven, life as we know it. Life, I mean life as it was meant to be. No homeless under the bridge, no teenagers, no AIDS, no cutting of arms, no hunger, no prisons, no cancer, no abuse. Dads don't leave. Whenever you wish or dream, you are wishing or dreaming for the kingdom, whether you know it or not. Even people who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ are wishing and dreaming of the kingdom. When they say, I just wish I had peace in my life, kingdom. I just wish my relationships weren't such in conflict, kingdom. I wish there wasn't sex trafficking in our community, kingdom. It's awful what I saw on the news last night. You're right, kingdom. That's the curse. We're about the kingdom. We don't know. The the Bible says God has put heaven in our hearts. Whether we're saved, lost, don't know God, know God. He's our father. He's not... There's just something about the kingdom in us. We, when we dream and we wish, this is what we're crying for. Life as it was meant to be. And there are no expiration dates in our dreams. And there are no expiration dates in the kingdom. Your kingdom will endure forever and ever and ever. And there will be no end. Life as God is making it, life 
as it was meant to be. In 1985, there was a man given an opportunity to invest in an upstart computer company. The stock was starting at $1.84. He was excited, had some savings, and decided to go all in in this upstart computer company at $1.84. But some friends of him told him that would be a huge mistake. Told him to back off. It was a bad decision. No one can compete with IBM. So he backed off. And he did not invest in this new upstart computer company with beginning stock at $1.84. The upstart computer's company name was Apple. Apple. In 2011, at their peak, the Apple stock was $387 a share. They went over $1 billion in sales. If that man had invested in that company just $1,000, he would have $210,326 today. If, like he had wanted to put $50,000 in that company, he would now have over $10 million. I don't think those guys are his friends anymore. (laughs) Now think about this. If you and I could go back, like we got in some hot tub time machine, and we went back to 1987, and we know what we know now. We just went back, you know, back to the future, right? And we were back. And they rolled out, hey, there's this new stock of this crazy upstart computer company called Apple. It's $1.84. And we know what we know now. We would sell everything we have to buy as much stock as we could get. Finally, an amen. Right. (laughs) Wealth. Amen. Yeah. I would too. I mean, my kids would be iffy. I mean, you know, right? I'm like, this is $1.84. We'd buy everything. We could. We'd sell everything we have and buy a reused pop-up camper off Craigslist and live there until that thing matured, right? We'd do that. It's not because we want to live destitute. It's not because we want to be miserable. It's not because we just want to sacrifice and walk around and woe is me. We're doing it not because of the radical investment, but why are we doing it? Because we know on the other end is a radical opportunity. radical opportunity and we would do it and we would be smart to do it but my friends these guys didn't do that and what that does is it it kind of puts people in a couple categories you know it's 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 you would sell everything and buy as much as you could. You would sell everything and go all in. For one time in our life, we wouldn't do that. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. We'd be, and people would be telling us that, but we would go, we don't care what you say. Trust me, go all in. Put all your eggs in this basket. I can't really do that. Trust me, you've got to go all in. And people would think we were crazy. But we would do it because we know the return on our investment would be amazing. But today, you and I are not on the front end of Apple stock anymore. We're on the front end of something much greater, the kingdom of God. 
And the kingdom of God is sitting there, this amazing opportunity. And you're on the front end of the greatest investment of your life. It's more than cash. It's more than relationships. It's relationships and influence and legacy and talents and time. And you're either going to go all in or you are not. There's no middle ground. As a matter of fact, it will define your life. And when all is said and done, there are going to be two categories. Just like that guy in Apple stock. Those who said, I wish I would have gone all in. And those who say, I'm glad that I went all in. Only two categories. I wish I would have gone all in or I'm glad that I went all in. Reward or regret. You may ask, does it cost a lot? No, it does not cost a lot. It costs everything. But not to make you miserable and destitute. It costs everything because you got to let go of one thing to take hold of something else. There's a greater opportunity on the other side of selling everything. So you never could imagine. It's like a treasure in a field. It's like the greatest pearl. It's, it's, all, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's huge. But you gotta, you got to go all in to get it, to care for people, to love people, to change the kingdom of earth right now and make it the kingdom of heaven on earth and fulfill the prayer of Jesus and to be intimately connected to the God of the universe who is desperately in love with us. What makes is the most amazing thing you could have. Lives change, people change, the curse reversed because of our influence as a church, as individuals. It seems difficult because it's so nebulous. Stock is right there. You can see it. It's tangible. But what do you do about the kingdom of, of heaven? It seems not tangible, but, it, but that's not true. There are people hurting at your work, in your neighborhood, in the city of Maryville, inner city, in the farm areas. There are people hurting everywhere around the world. We can invest in that and see their lives changed, and the kingdom of heaven comes to the kingdom of earth. In 1987, I graduated from college, and I was beginning to sense that God wanted me to do something specific in the area of ministry. And in that time, somebody called me from a little town in Kentucky called Worthville, Kentucky, population 252, and the church was running uh, 90, and they were really excited about a high attendance day when they were hoping to get 100, which would be almost half of the town. So it was a big deal. And they asked me if I would come and be the minister of music and youth. It was 40 miles from Louisville where I was thinking about going to Southern Seminary after. And here this decision was laying on my plate in the summer after I graduated. They said, Todd, minister of music and youth, I said, I don't know anything about music. But if I have to say turn to your hymnal to a page number, sing the first, second, and last verse, and wave my arm like this, I think I can do that. It's all we want. And then you can do stuff with youth, and we're going to pay you $100 a week. My car payment was $250 a month. Not counting insurance and gas to get back and forth. Louisville, you do the math. In the midst of praying about this and trying to make that decision, I got a call from a senior executive of the Sears Corporation. I was living in Ohio. And he says, Todd, we want you to move to Chicago, Illinois. We want you to set you up at the Sears Tower, an apartment 
during nine months while you train for the junior executive program at the Sears Tower. We'll pay you $21,900. As soon as you grab, and that's pretty good for a single guy 23 years old in 1987. As soon as you graduate of the nine-month junior exec program, we'll give you $35,000 guaranteed, company car, and we'll match your gifts and your talents with our needs around the country, and you can move anywhere, and you'll have a say-so where you go. Man, I didn't need that. $100 a week, just as I am. Sears Tower, Chicago, Illinois, deep dish pizza, back when I could eat that. Michael Jordan was just coming to the Bulls. Wasn't long. Worthville, Kentucky. Mobile home on the property of a church running 90. We'll let you stay there. I didn't know that then like I do now, but I realize now I was looking at the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven. Obviously, I made a radical investment in something that was unknown and gave up something that appeared to be a sure thing. And I remember in that trailer... During my seminary years, praying, Lord, I pray somebody in the church invites me over for dinner tonight. Because I don't have anything. And I'd go to that fridge and there'd be bologna. There'd be bologna. Always bologna. I don't know why, but bologna. I don't want to eat bologna anymore. And I remember opening that and seeing a package of bologna with a couple slices left. And I remember how the enemy, he's good at what he does. He whispered in my ear, if you'd gone to Chicago, you'd be eating whatever you want to eat. Got to give them a call. Maybe it's not too late. And I had to just dismiss that because I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't know that at the time that would be a radical investment that would pay off. I just read the scripture. I believed it was so. I heard Jesus speaking into me at times and I thought it would work, but I didn't know. And here was a sure thing. Man, the world was all in front of me. And I'm in Worthville, Kentucky, 90 people singing hymns, working with youth. And then I can say, though, at 50 years old, 25 years later, It was the greatest investment I've ever made. I've been all around the world, and I've seen people come to Christ in so many tribes of people, of all nations. I've seen women who've had abortions come to freedom in Christ, working with marriages that stayed together and watching their children grow up in a home that is intact and being totally I got to see uh, people uh, come to Christ all over the world I've just been able to do so many things disciple people watch people give themselves to the ministry and embrace the king and I'm just here to say there's nothing greater than the kingdom of God there's nothing greater at 23 I just got to be honest I wasn't sure I hoped it seemed like a I I was just trusting in something that I could not see. It seemed nebulous. That seemed very tangible. Apple stock, Sears Tower, 21.9, 35. 
And this just seemed nebulous. A mobile home, baloney, $100 a week. Yeah. I even had friends like this tell me, you're crazy. Nobody gives this up. Your major was business administration. This is what you came to do. I said, I I know, but I think God has something different. You're crazy. And I can say that it's worth selling everything that you have, everything that you have, to embrace the kingdom of God. I don't know what that means for you, but I dare you to go all in. Cars, houses, stocks, bonds, bank account, job, relationships, business, success, career, assets, all of it. Go all in. And I'm not talking about selling it. I don't know what God wants you to do with it. But nothing compares to the great opportunity to build the kingdom of heaven here and around the world. It would be worth investing everything in. Healing the broken. Clothing the naked. Feeding the hungry. Homes for orphans pulling little girls out of the sex slave business, taking the gospel to people who have never heard. There's nothing like the kingdom. It's so exciting and it's so amazing. I don't know what that means for you. Maybe your first step is, is, is this next level, just getting a servant's heart by serving here on the campus of foothills and beginning that first move toward kingdom work and doing everything that you can do for this church to be a kingdom church that's taking care and reversing the curse both in Maryville and around the world. And you going all in, making this church a healthy kingdom church. Father, I thank you for your continuous call for kingdom ambassadors, kingdom representatives. Lord, I pray that there would be some in this place today who might sell things, sell all. Others, Lord, you don't want them to sell their business. You want them to leverage their business for the kingdom. And you're going to bless and give them more money than they've ever had, but not for themselves to invest in the kingdom or some work. You may be in a small group. What's your small group going to do this year to embrace the kingdom out there? Adopt a classroom at a poor, at-risk elementary school or be a Kids Hope mentor and what you, what you going to do? What, what are you going to do here at this church to make this church the most efficient, effective kingdom representative in this community? Oh God, we don't want to be the best church in the community. We want to be the best church for the community. May that be so of Foothills Church. Perhaps you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And your first step of the kingdom is entrance into the kingdom. There's only one door, and it's Jesus. Maybe you have some concerns and needs that you want to pray about, or there's something tugging on your heart right now. The Holy Spirit is speaking into you. There's a prayer and care room outside this worship center to the left. I'll be down here at the front and be glad to meet with anybody if you have any 
conversations or you want me to pray over you as God's speaking something uh, something in your heart right now God we love you we thank you for drawing us to kingdom work and we pray it in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening More information about Fiddles Church can be found online at fiddleschurch.com